week. Where are you? College basketball's best time of year, other than March, is upon us, and it is a glorious thing. We've had day basketball every day. Uh, some really entertaining action last week in South Carolina, in Myrtle Beach, and in Charleston. But now the heavy hitters are in the Maui Invitational, the PK85, the ESPN tournament in Orlando, the the uh, Battle for Atlantis, uh, and of course, some really high-level kind of one-off games that we've seen in the last week. We've covered a lot of ground, Brad, since we last spoken in the college basketball world, so this is a loaded show. We've got a lot to get to. I'm excited to, to dive into everything that's happened here in the last week and maybe some overreactions we might have from uh, some of these results. Absolutely. I mean, we want to start with Kentucky, we said. Yeah. I guess start. I mean, we haven't we haven't spoken in eight, eight days or so, so that falls under. Well, uh, we have two, we've we've texted quite a bit. Right, but spoken for a podcast sense. Correct. Um, Kentucky, Michigan State. Yes. Which I two games. I, for right. I watched the whole Gonzaga game last night, uh, but because I was at Providence Stonehill, I missed the first half of like the first three quarters of the Michigan State game. So, did you want to lead off on your Michigan State-Kentucky observation? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, like, I think there's, like, a general through line for both games for Kentucky. Obviously, they went differently. I thought they really struggled to guard against Gonzaga in ways that they didn't against Michigan State, which is understandable because Gonzaga has a whole lot more firepower than Michigan State. I thought the Gonzaga, or I thought that they took punches a little bit better against Michigan State, but that's also understandable because it was a neutral, home-leaning atmosphere in Indianapolis for Kentucky, and that was essentially a road game in Spokane. So, I think on those fronts, I wasn't necessarily surprised, but I think the biggest thing for me with Kentucky, who loses in double overtime against Michigan State in the game, that obviously, if you saw it, you saw, um, you know, two huge gaffes late in the game to give up dunks. Really poor execution whenever Oscar Sheepway wasn't on the floor. Some issues with lineup construction. Um, but a game that was absolutely winnable for Kentucky that they just couldn't go out and get. And then against Gonzaga, some of the same issues, but they got tr- pounced on early and with the exception of one brief moment in the second half, never really had a chance. So I think the the question here at this point, after two underwhelming games for Big Blue Nation is like, where should the concern level be? They do have two more big non-conference tests against Michigan um, on December 4th and UCLA on December 17th. But I think the things, the, the the number one thing that stands out about Kentucky right now is that they do not look like a team that has six out of nine guys being upperclassmen and five out of your top six being seniors. It just does not in any way look like a team of 21 and 22 year olds. It looks like a team that is very much trying to figure itself out. And for a group that has its two best players back from a season ago, for a group that has a you know two uh, another starter in Toppin who was there and absolutely in the rotation a season ago, um, Frederick who was in the program, like Lance Ware who's in the program, right? Like we are running out of excuses for this. And uh, Kyle Tucker who writes for the Athletic, uh, he wrote a column about yesterday's result and I'm just going to read what he wrote because I think it sums it up better than I could have. Um, 
and I quote, entering the game, Antonio Reeves played 93 games in college. Severe Wheeler played 90, top in 87, Sheboy 77, CJ Frederick 57. What's the point of finally embracing the need for experience by taking that quintet of transfers if you don't think they're capable of executing a quality game plan? Five days earlier, after Izzo pantsed him on two late game out-of-bounds plays, Calipari was claiming his group just hadn't had time to work on such things. Can we just pause to ask, then what was the Bahamas trip for? Kentucky got extra practice time and four exhibition games this summer to work on what exactly? With all of these full grown, fully grown men, they're not apparently old enough to they're, they're apparently old enough to drink, but not old enough to run a clever baseline on a bounds play. Like the, the the issues Kentucky has look like freshman issues. And this team is not freshman Kentucky talented, right? Like if Kentucky came out next year with the group they have coming in with DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham and Justin Edwards, and they lost two games to good teams on on, on road neutral courts. You'd probably say, okay, the concern's not that high. They're still figuring out how to play college basketball. But Oscar Sheepway ain't learning how to play college basketball. Sevilla Wheeler ain't learning how to play college basketball. The fact that these problems are still here is a reflection on those guys and a reflection on Coach Cal. Right, and in terms of how concerned should Kentucky fans be, it's, it's all r- relative of concern about what. Like, I've been having the same conversation with people regarding Providence where I've said the season is over. Like, what are you talking? Season's not over. I said, no, the season that we should have had, given the talent level, is over. Kentucky, I I think it's getting to the point where you could say the season that they should have had, based on their talent level, is in jeopardy. It's, it's not over like, like I'm saying that Providence has no chance to be a top 25 team anymore. But, like, Kentucky could still win the, the national championship. Um but their pieces aren't looking as overwhelming talent-wise as they did on paper. Guys like Damian Collins and Yugona Kingsley and Chris Livingston haven't really made an impact. Their shooters haven't shot incredibly well. Uh, Reeves was a guy who I thought, you know, could could be in a mix to be in, on like the Jerry West watch list. You know, have a great year starting uh, next to Wheeler, next to Wallace, and you know, really put up great shooting numbers. Uh, He's he's been coming off the bench, kind of a reduced role, and we, we mentioned like we we know what we're getting from Wheeler, Toppin, and and, and uh, Shibway, but uh, Toppin especially did at least so far has not made the jump that was anticipated. Um, he he's been more, I, I guess you could say Toppin's been more of what you would have thought he would be this year without the preseason hype. Like, he's not really creating a ton. He's just hitting a couple mid-range jumpers, being super athletic. He's better um, than Keon Brooks, I think. Right. But part of the reason why you bought Kentucky being an elite team is that Toppin's going to make a jump. You have the best player in the country in Sheepway. Great veteran point guard in Wheeler. Knockdown shooters with Reeves and Frederick. NBA lottery pick and Kassan uh, Wallace. Um, and when you take a step back and look how the season's gone so far... They just look kind of like an ordinary, good, like top 20 team, as opposed to that elite top five team that their talent level suggested that they could be. Right. Well, and look, I think that 
like from a from from a pieces standpoint, I think you're you're right that like these guys have generally underwhelmed outside of Oscar and Severe. Um, but I don't think that their pieces are necessarily lacking in terms of like overall talent level to be an elite team. I don't think that you line them up. I I I don't think they look overwhelming by any stretch. But I don't think you line them up against like UCLA or you line them up against like the four teams that were in the Vegas main event: UCLA, Illinois, um, Virginia, and Baylor. I don't think that Kentucky looks any less talented than any of those teams. They're just not overwhelmingly more talented. I think we've come to expect that they would be because it's Kentucky and because they're always talented and because it's always it's Cal recruiting. I think from an X's and O's standpoint, the biggest thing that I worry about with this group, or not X's and O's necessarily, but the biggest thing this group feels like it's missing is shot makers and guys who can play with the ball off the bounce because CJ Frederick and Antonio Reeves are not Ty Ty Washington and Kellen Grady. And as good as Cason Wallace looks, he's a great defender. He's a good glue guy. Ty Ty Washington had a little wiggle to him. Ty Ty Washington had a little ability to get into lane, hit the, get to his floater game. Ty Ty Washington's ability to hit shots. And Cason <coughs> strikes me much more as a glue guy, Brad. I don't know if you, that, that's that's how you feel. He's gonna score. He's gonna get his, but it doesn't. It never feels overwhelming with him. The way he impacts the game. It's like, wow, he's in there. He's gonna get a steal and go get go get a quick two. He's gonna be opportunistic. You're not calling a lot of plays for him. You're not clearing out a side for him. And I think that they really lacked that. It was very noticeable against Michigan State when Oscar fouled out because their offense just didn't operate. Right, like Lance Ware, like they brought in, like Lance Ware to replace him, and they played two-man game. Um, once I think with Reeves, and once I think with C.J. Frederick, and both times it was like, where are we going? Like Lance, like Lance would catch the ball and he'd throw it back. He gets the ball, throw it back. There was no threat that he was going to rip it and go. There was no threat that Severe was going to shoot the ball. There was, you know, there was no real threat that C.J. was going to drive the ball. So like, what was, you know, like what was the thing you were afraid of? And I just think that was the the real issue when you're talking about Kentucky down the stretch. So I, I really worry about their lack of a consistent playmaking guard, not named Severe Wheeler, because Severe has his limitations in terms of his ability to shoot the basketball. And I'm worried about their kind of general organizational structure um, and their rotations. Because, look, I think that those things can get figured out relatively easy. Like, I don't think C.J. Livingston should be playing. He's not very good. He, he, he's, he's a bricklayer. He's not that impactful defensively. He looks a little lost out there. He's not a power forward in this line. If he's going to play, he has to be exclusively Toppin's backup. Livingston? Yes. Because you can't play him at the three and wreck the spacing. I mean, as, as an aside, because like Lance Ware was a top 50 recruit listed as a power forward. And yeah. I think we've we've found a few of these guys now that they were listed as power forward because they were so athletic, but they don't have the skill to actually be a power forward. Correct. Um, right, because Ware is specifically a center. Ware is only and, a center. And it's like, what what does Ware bring you, right? Like, Oscar, obviously, most productive and probably the best player in the country. Then you go to Ware, and a guy like Collins who doesn't have the ball skills to really impact you for the four spot. You mentioned Livingston. Uh, is playing up a position is not being effective. A lot of these other guys who, were, who we were planning on being contributors just aren't looking that way so far. It would, it would, it would, Collins, Collins looks like a boss right now. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I would rather play 
I would rather play Livingston just backing up um, Toppin exclusively. Um, I would play because right, like at some point, like people can say oh, the predictions are going to suck, but like somebody needs to give like hard answers to, like what they're looking for from Cal with this roster, right? And so like my hard answers would be no Livingston at the three ever. Um, I would strongly consider going to um, Uganda Kingsley Onyeso. Um, as the backup center over where and try to become a lot better defensively in Oscar's off minutes. Um, I would try to get Reeves on the floor more and unlock, try to unlock his scoring. Um, I would experiment with some lineups with severe Wheeler off the floor altogether. And with case playing point guard, those are the types of types of things I would be thinking about if I'm Kentucky because, but, but, but I think the biggest like unfixable flaw with this group is they do not have a guard that you trust to say, Hey, go get one. And I think when you think of teams that can win national championships, they traditionally have that type of guy. And severe Wheeler is a very good player, but he is who he is. He's not changing. And the fact that severe Wheeler is taking what, like four or five threes a game at this point in the season. Yeah. He's taking four. He's taking over three threes a game. And in the two big games, He's taken, um, excuse me here. He's taken four against Gonzaga uh, and ten or six against Michigan State. There's, like that's that's too much, right? Like I understand he needs to keep them honest, but even if he's shooting thirty percent, I don't want him taking that many threes. And you know, people are very high on Michigan State right now after playing the Zags to the wire, beating Kentucky, edging out Nova, um, to the point where I think people have him around the top 10. I, I, I think that they're more more likely like a top 25-ish team than a top 10 team. So just um, in terms of Kentucky's kind of losses, then putting it yeah. kind of in a national perspective. Yeah, I don't neither, think... neither are bad losses. And I think that's actually a good segue. We should probably move on from Kentucky eventually here, unless you have something else you want to add. No. They are what they are. We'll, again, we'll, they'll get tested. Here we go. But with Michigan State, I think we should say, like, we probably overlooked them a little bit in the offseason. They're probably better than we thought they'd be. But I don't think they're, I don't think they're substantially better than what we anticipated. I think they're just polished right now. There's like a there's an identity to them, and it takes a while for a lot of teams to figure out who they are. And Michigan State knows who they are. They're tough. They're physical. Um, it's kind of different guys on different nights. Sissoko's been the biggest storyline for for us and his um, continued growth off uh, on both ends of the floor into becoming a legit starting center for them. That's overwhelmed the fact that like Jackson Kohler has really struggled. Um, the fact Aikens that Mo- is hurt again. Yeah, Aikens is hurt again. Pierre Brooks is barely playing. Like, I don't. I I I I think of this team, and they're different in terms of how they play. But I think I think this team is actually relatively similar to last year's Wisconsin team. In that, they're very good, but their margin for error is exceedingly slim. Where like one wrong foot, like one wrong step, one kind of one change slightly in how they operate, and they go from like maybe winning the Big Ten to like not in the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, I mean, their talent level isn't right. that it's high. Not, I mean, yeah, Tyson Walker's their best player. I'm pretty convinced of it, and he's 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 been shooting the lights out. But I I watched that whole Michigan State Villanova game, and it, it was really just Villanova just making so many mistakes on the defensive end, just like simple, like they're helping one pass away, and it was all like the um, the auxiliary guys, like your Brizzies and um, Armstrong and Patterson, like those guys come in and they just give give nothing. Right. Um, and maybe their best shooter, Jordan Jordan Longino, I mean, he barely gets any looks. It's it's really just the the Dixon Daniels Slater just putting their head down, doing their back downs, and get you know trying to get right right in front of the rim. And it got them close, but they they really need Cam Whitmore just as another guy who can score, another guy who you can put out there and is a positive asset. Uh, because I think probably the, the the first talking point on why Villanova has struggled to start the year with their two close road losses is that oh they're playing Archie Diakono so much they're playing Archie Diakono at point guard. As someone who just watched that whole Michigan State game. Archie Diakono has to be out there with this group. The, the the other guys are just making so many mistakes. He's at least like has his head screwed on straight on on the defensive end and not giving up three points. Um, so just getting Whitmore back is just going to be besides adding a top five pick to your lineup, just adding another positive asset player is going to be enormous. Yes. Well, and to be clear, Brad, I think. Certainly some people are, are just saying it like arch playing is the problem, but I think it's more, it should be more interpreted, at least like when I say it, like arch playing and doing nothing out there it, and being like a net zero, right? That's the problem because there's no one else to play, right? It's not, oh, the problem is arch is playing and they need to replace it with Mark Armstrong because Mark Armstrong, while he could be there one day, is just not that good right now. Right, because right, he could shoot it well enough. Yeah, I think Hausen actually looks like the most uh, appealing in the future of all of them. Which might take some time. Right, because he can hit a shot, um, but yeah. still, and he's like, yeah. got a good body. He's like looks looks the part. Like Angelo Brizzy looks like a walk on. He does, and his uh, defense especially was like yeah. had had my head in my hands. I remember when Angelo Brizzy was being recruited. And he was like the priority mid-major recruit, and all of a sudden, like Virginia offered, and like Villanova offered, and I was like, "Oops." Um, and I think his level might have been more like James Madison. You know, Brizzy's defense was so bad it actually inspired a tweet for me—a rare, <laughs> a rare tweet. <laughs> Brad just had to get it off his chest. They—they they were doing something really weird with Hogard, where I don't—I don't think of Hogard as being like a complete non-shooter. Maybe I am mistaken. If you would have put a gun to my head and said, what does A.J. Hogard shoot from three-point range on his career? I would have said, like, 30. And Villanova literally was just not guarding him. And then they weren't guarding the guys who could shoot and giving Hauser and Walker, like, wide-open looks. It was, it was brutal. It, Hogard, it was just Hogard, Hogard is a 22% career three-point shooter, and he's made 13 career threes. So, and he had three track. in this game against Nova because they were literally just saying – we're not going to guard you. But the same thing happened against Kansas in, in the NCAA tournament. I'm not sure with, with, with Villanova, but definitely with Creighton and Providence, where DeJuan Harris was in the game. Yeah. 
and they said, we're not going to guard you. And then they took Dewan Harris out, put Remy Martin in, and they didn't realize it was, it was a different person. And they gave Remy Martin a couple open threes. Yeah. So, but I, but I almost think that like the, like that kind of goes back and it just doubling back to Michigan State really quickly. But because I, I agree with your points on Villanova, right? Like Villanova will be much better once they have one more like functional basketball player. And if they can eventually get Justin Moore back, they could have two more functional basketball players. And I think you hope that like the guys kind of blossom into their roles. I don't think this is necessarily like an elite team, even with Whitmore, but that partially depends on how good Whitmore is. But right now they just desperately need a guy who can like contribute and be useful. But like to kind of wrap the ball in Michigan State, right? Like you're so you're saying, okay, well, you just don't really have to guard Hogard, he can't really shoot. So you're playing Hogard, you're playing two power forwards, the three and the four most of the time, in Hall and Hauser. Hall, who's not like really a shooter. Your center position can't guard when Sissoko's off the floor and he's in foul trouble a bunch. Uh, you know, like Aikens is always hard. You have no real depth. It is very much walking a tightrope, but simultaneously, like the group that is out there is pretty good. It is exceedingly bought in. Its system is very difficult to play against. Its coach is very good. So it just becomes it. It is one of those things where I could like I could see Michigan State like winning the Big Ten this year. People being like, oh wow, like Izzo was right. And Rinrod, like they're gonna go like 13 and 7, be like 33rd in Ken Palm. Certainly could see that happening. Which is basically what Wisconsin did last year. Wisconsin was like, I think they might have won 15 and 5. But let me just confirm that for the record, because I'm a man of principle. As I apologize for whatever crime scene is supposed to be going on outside my house. Um, yeah, Wisconsin was 37th in Ken Palm and won 15 and 5 in the Big Ten. Seems like that seems like a very like very realistic path for Michigan State this year. Yeah, I, I mean, with with how good the Big Ten has been at, at, at the start yeah. of the season, I mean, I think you could make a case that 11 of the 14 teams. Have have a case where you could say they could make the tournament. Now, Rutgers is. I mean, pause for a second, my friend, because I know you're keeping out Nebraska and Minnesota. But guess who's guess who's top sixty in Ken Palm right now? Chris Collins with the Northwestern Wildcats. Oh please. <laughs> There's no way that they're going to be good. I agree. I, I went to their game against Fort Wayne on Friday, and like I just I was watching. I was like, okay, this team is not like horrendous at anything, but I struggle to see like what if there's a single thing that they do like well enough to like win them a game. I couldn't find anything. So. I mean, I was stunned that they, that they beat Georgetown. The fact that Georgetown like Georgetown's sucks awful. again, They're so like bad. is really bad again, is yeah. stunning to me because yeah. you know I, I I had them 72nd in the preseason. I had them 10th in the Big East. I thought They're that they would. I mean though. that. That's a 100-spot improvement, yeah. and they have some good players. Heath is back now. You have Murray, Wahab, Primo Spears, Akuka Cook. I mean, they have – I mean, those are solid players to at least be, you know, not back there with Oregon State and Cal. Um, yeah, and, if, I think if this team goes 3-15 and 15 in the Big East – or is the 20-game league schedule now, right, Brad? 20, um, yeah. If this team goes 3-17 and 17 in the Big East, I almost think that's like a more – like uh, an even stronger indictment of Ewing than what happened last year, because what happened last year was like 
explainable by the fact that they had no players, right? Like right. none of their COVID up. seniors chose to come back. Right. He screwed up and wound up with no players, and that that is not excusable, but like it can happen, right? Like it, it you watch that team, you're like, okay, this like they're they're bringing knives to a gunfight. They've got guns now. Brandon Murray's a gun. Kudus Wahab is a gun. Jay Heath's a gun. A cook, a cook has played really well. He's a gun. The fact that they stink, the fact that they got run off the floor in the second half by Loyola Marymount, that they led by 25 against LaSalle and allowed the Crusaders, are they the Crusaders? No, the Explorers. Explorers. Close enough. The Explorers to tie the game in the second half. That's a disaster. That's like a huge indictment. So yeah, I'm fully out. I don't, I don't know what like what what else we're like waiting on here. Um, I think if they had lost that game to LaSalle, they should have left Pat in Jamaica. But I mean, look, it's really bad right now. They struggle with Coppin State. Think about this: like you could argue that Georgetown's played two good halves of basketball all year. Problems Second half one. against Green Bay, who's awful, <laughs> 356. And first half against LaSalle, who's also awful. Hey, Providence has played one good half the whole season. So. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, um, but no, no on, on, on Georgetown, I mean, the uh, WCC has been feisty. They're up to fifth in the conference rankings on, on uh, T-Rank so far. But, like, spare me. Like, Loyola Marymount's lost to UC Riverside and UC Irvine. Let's not act like they're a wrecking ball. They're not as bad as you think when you hear Georgetown lost to Loyola Marymount. But, I mean – I think when it's all said and done, Loyola Marymount probably finishes higher in Ken Palm than Georgetown. Um, and, and, and this should be it for George. I mean, for uh, Patrick. Yeah. When, and I've seen, like, oh, yeah, like, they'll still not fire him. It's like, Pat, have some self-respect, man. Like, this can't I mean, continue. He shouldn't quit and give up $3 million or whatever if they're too scared to fire him. No, but, I think he should. Have some pride for your alma mater. Like this place matters to you. If you can't do the job, and it's very obvious, if they go three and seventeen again or five and fifteen, right? Like they're not fake. Like their last game, their favorite this season is against Seattle on December seventh, and they're favored by ten points at home. Like if if and then again, if if they go seven and thirteen or they go even five and fifteen, whatever. Like if he wants to try to stick it out and get forced into the fire, I'm sure. But if you if if you prove you are clearly incapable of doing this job, you lose 20 games again at Georgetown with this roster that does not completely stink. You need to step aside, or you're showing you don't care about Georgetown. If you're Georgetown, and you could pick between one of these two guys, who do you pick? Rick Pitino or John Calipari? <laughs> Okay, this is this is the most ridiculous podcast segment that's ever been produced in the history I mean, of podcasting. You know me and the uh, parachute, and there are a lot. I mean, Kentucky is certainly a place where there's going to be a time that you need to parachute from, with their expectations and how the last few years have gone. If like Kentucky ends up being like a five or a six seed or something, and I'm Calipari, why not just parachute? I wouldn't parachute to Georgetown because I think there's a chance you're not going to get it right there. 
You could bring all of your recruits with you. Probably not. But. No, not without the NIL. Georgetown must have NIL, right? Not you not Kentucky think, NIL. But right. not Kentucky NIL. You'd have guys missing their half their paycheck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think the answer is either Rick Pitino or Jack Calipari, but it is fun to think about. Micah Shrewsbury, anyone? Yeah, we'll see how, how Penn State finishes it up. But they've, they've Penn been State fun. Penn State goes to the NCAA tournament. That seems like a good good hire. NBA guy, you know. <laughs> I watched style. The, I watched one. their uh, full game against Butler. Yeah. And the, the, they were pretty even. Penn State was struggling with, with Manny Bates' length. And Bates went out for, for a quick rest in the second half. And they just barraged some threes and kept Butler at arm's length the rest of the way. Uh, Andrew Funk looks really good. Yeah. He, he has a quick stroke. Beautiful looking stroke. It's going in. They're a uh, wild team to play against because, like you said, like you can just kind of sit there and hang for 15 minutes and then just like get blasted for two, you know. Right. My, um, Miles Dredd's been the same player for five years, but he can really shoot it. Jalen Pickett's been awesome. The only uh, the only issue with Jalen Pickett, like the only thing stopping Jalen Pickett from being an All-American is the fact that like he cannot attack a switch. Like <laughs> Jalen Pickett is completely incapable of like driving a center. It was like the same thing. It happened against Virginia Tech. It happened against Butler. It's happened ever since he was playing Mac games and he was getting guarded by like Miles Foster for Monmouth. He gets a switch. He thinks he can drive it. And then he has to stop at like the free throw line and take like a fade away. You're like, Jalen, my man, like you're a point guard. Like you got to be able to drive this like fat big, like Manny Bates is one thing, but like we can't drive Grant Basile. Really? Well, because he's he's a physical guard. He wants to bully everybody. You can't bully the centers. Well, he's, he wants to he wants to bully certain guys, and he also just wants to like he just wants to shoot over people. He's not like he's just, he does not have a first step. There's no such thing. So, but yeah, no, they're fun. They're great. Um, did you want to touch? I know you mentioned like the Big Ten's look pretty good. <coughs> you should probably hit on both Illinois and Indiana and their big weekends. Sure, Indiana watched. Almost that whole game. It, it was a two-man show. Uh, Xavier Johnson and Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis dominated Jack Nungy. Uh, Nungy was completely overmatched. Uh, he, he honestly cost Xavier the game. He made some wild, uh, wildly poor offensive plays and then just got worked by Jackson Davis. Uh, Xavier had obviously no, no answer for Jackson Davis, who was just a monster around the rim. Uh, Fremantle played pretty well. Kobe Jones played well. Uh, their their guards hit some timely shots, and then a Kunkel uh, go-ahead shot rims out, and Indiana holds on. But Indiana's supporting cast was pretty brutal. Uh, Hood Shafino couldn't hit a shot. Mil- Miller Cop had some, like, oh, my God. I-, I remember when I thought this guy was good plays. Um, he had this one travel in the second half that was just like, like what what did I just watch? So Indiana long term is going to need obviously more contributions outside of their top two guys and you know, Hood Hood Shafino and Race Thompson and those guys I mean that that they should be talented enough uh, to get Indiana back toward the top of the Big Ten and be a top twenty ish team. Yeah, this game was fun. It didn't really feel like either team could guard each other, um, and that made for a really entertaining game. I give. I thought Sule Boom played pretty well for Xavier. 
just kind of did enough, made some shots, made some plays, kept them in the game. Um, for Indiana, like Malik Renew looks really good. Oh yes, sorry. And he he's he a guy you want to cover up almost because if he, I mean, I don't think he's that says the game to be a one one and done, but like you definitely want him here next year when Trace isn't. They're they're the same style of player. And it seems um, like they're trying. They're gonna like try to get him on the floor a bunch with with next to Trace and bench race, which is shaky from a spacing standpoint. Even though it's not like Race is a big time shooter anyway. So. I mean that's just so much athleticism around the right. rim. Yeah. I don't know. I think you're right though. Like they need much more from Tochafino. He just didn't didn't shoot it. I mean, 0 for 8 on twos is pretty wild. He like looks the part out there, but just think it hasn't like it doesn't do anything. It's kind of, it's kind of like Nolan Hickmany. Yeah. Like, okay, like this this guy looks like he should be an NBA player, but like, what has he like actually done when he's on the floor? Um, Speaking of the Zags, um, we touched on their fast paced blowout of Kentucky in the Spokane Arena last night, but they also played on Wednesday. And got destroyed against Texas, which I did not see coming. I I thought that was going to be down to the wire, back and forth close game. But Texas's athleticism and guys like Tyree Toner shot shot the lights out. Um, maybe the game was life shooting wise, but I mean they have so many athletic guards, athletic wings, and it just completely threw off Texas or uh, uh, the Zags. Yeah, I mean like look, I thought that. The big thing I was really impressed with with Texas in this game was the ball movement was really, really fluid. I mean, I think we both remember last year watching this team, and it was just such a slog. Like, it was Marcus, right, Marcus Carr pounding the ball into the – you know, in, 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 into the floor. And then, like, a middle drive for Timmy, Timmy Allen – like, nobody really fit. Nobody really knew what the offense was. Nobody seemed to care if they ran the offense. I just like I, I just felt like it was night and day. And I think part of that is the fact that you have two point guards on the floor um, in Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter, who was awesome. It's that you have another shooter in Jabari Rice and another guy in Rice who's unselfish, which I think is critical. Um, but I also think that Beard did a nice job of kind of modernizing their offense. Like they're running a lot more actions that I think fit their group. I think I think last year at times you saw Beard trying to push a square peg into a round hole in terms of what they ran and how they operated offensively and like running the stuff he's used used to running like a little rock. <laughs> and I think at some point you just kind of realize like shit, like we have and we have we have elite college players. Like let's spread let's spread out. Let's keep the ball moving. Let's get it from side to side, and let's put our guys in ball screens. I thought they did a good, good did a very good job of that. Hunter's not going to shoot like that every night, but he proved why he was one of the best transfers in the country, maybe the best in my opinion, just because he impacts the game in a lot of ways. He's a great defender. He has great energy. Um, he's a tremendous playmaker, and if he's going to make shots like that, watch out. So. You know, I just think, like, I'm really, really optimistic about Texas. I don't want to go too far because, again, they shot the lights out. Similar, I mean, in in many ways, the game script was kind of similar to Tennessee, 
when they played the uh, charity exhibition where for Gonzaga, like Gonzaga's playing okay. Like they're making some shots, but like Tennessee's just a complete fireball. It was the same thing. Like Texas is just making shot after shot. And this time you had a crowd in the background that was making it even worse where like the momentum was just building and building against you. I just didn't know that Gonzaga had an answer to that. We've seen their defense play a little better at points. So I, again, I want I'm a little concerned for Texas. Like what is it going to look like when they don't make shots? But I do think of nothing else. The fact that the ball is moving, the fact that there's like a much more cohesive look to this team is really important knowing that they're already very talented. And then earlier on Wednesday, Iowa beat the crap out of Seton Hall, which I think says more about Iowa. I, Iowa just looks like in, insurmountable. I mean, you, you, if, if you were to draw up an opposing team for Iowa, where you said Iowa could struggle, I think you would draw up Seton Hall. They have so many different wings that you could throw on Chris Murray, who are supposed to be, you know, good defensive players. I mean, between Dre Davis, Kadari Richmond, um, who plays the point but has so much size, Femi Odekale, um, they have uh, Dre, Dre Davis's younger brother. Jackson's a great athlete. Samuel has a ton of length. I mean, they could they could throw so many different looks to slow down Chris Murray. And Chris Murray just went on a complete heater. Uh, I, I com- completely forgot to mention uh, Casey Nadefo, who I think got the assignment most of the time. Um, and, and, and Murray just went off, completely dominated. And then you had Perkins come in and had that kind of secondary punch. Um, Iowa played basically seven guys. that They used Euless and Connor McCaffrey off the bench pretty much. Connor McCaffrey played some five guarding Samuel and Jackson. So that was an interesting wrinkle. But if they have a legit star in Chris Murray and Perkins, you know, like a very good second best player, then this Iowa team is probably closer to winning the Big Ten than they are um, being in the middle. Yeah, they're playing another bye game tonight. And I was just told that Chris Murray has 17 points on seven of eight shooting in nine and a half minutes. He's yeah, doing Perkins a lot of things. Yeah. Huh? Perkins is out tonight, too. He's doing just like a ton of Keegan things where just blitz people early in games, huge runs, like you just can't stop them. Again, they're different players stylistically. They're not the exact same guy. Keegan's much better, I think, shooter off of movement. But the kid's just freaking special, man. And, I again, like at some point, people are going to have to give Fran McCaffrey's credit, right? Yeah. At some point, people are going to have to acknowledge that Fran McCaffrey is one of the best offensive coaches in the country. And that Fran McCaffrey is one of the best player development coaches in the country. Right? Like I remember I remember watching the Oregon uh Oregon Iowa game, the second round of the bubble NCAA tournament, right? Yep. And thinking, man, it's gonna suck to be an Iowa fan. Like th- this was it. This was your moment. You had Luca Garza and Joe Joe Wieskamp, and you're going down like this to Oregon. I mean I, I I was like, when are you ever going to get back to this level? The very next year, they do it with Keegan Murray. Yeah, and then they lose in the first round, and you say, oh, my gosh, how are they ever going to get back to this level? Well, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't say that last year. Um, well, it's but still, I, it kind of felt like it, right? They won the Big yeah, Ten tournament. They're rolling. I, they have a top-five pick, and they lose the first round. I, I did not have Iowa as a top-25 team in, in the preseason, but I'm pretty convinced that they should be now. I think I had them 33rd or something. 
Um, and, and they're going to do it with, with Chris Murray and Perkins. And then we'll, we'll, we'll look up next year, and Perkins will be Big Ten Player of the Year. And you'll have Sanford shooting 60% from three, doing a Sam Hauser impression. Uh, and then we'll just keep going. Right. Again, like the player development here is unbelievable. And it's not just Keegan and not just Chris. Those are brothers, whatever. Luca Garza became a superstar there. Joe Wieskamp became a NBA player there. Um, like you go back through the years, right? Like think about who's gotten better in that program, right? Like, um, like Aaron White. Aaron White got better in that program. Aaron White went from, again, like went from fringe starter to first team All Big Ten and a NBA player, right? Like uh, Peter Jock. Peter Jock, freshman. I love Peter, Peter Jock. I loved Peter Jack. He was awesome. I loved Roy Devin Marble. Yeah, all, all those like big wings that they've had. They've had unbelievable like combo forwards in Iowa. Um, like Peter Peter Jock, like Peter Jock's freshman year averaged four points a game. Peter Jock's senior year averaged twenty points a game, and became an elite, high level, professional basketball player. Um, Jerry Roy Devin Marble. Right, like Roy Devin Marble, he 20, 2011, he comes into Iowa. He averages 5.7 points a game. Senior year, 17 points a game. NBA player, first, second round pick. Um, who else? Jared Utoff. Utoff, yes, wonderful. Eight, eight points a guy. game as a I, he he had a weird eligibility thing. So I think technically eight points a game as a sophomore. Nineteen and, and six as a senior. Like. We need like it. People need to stop the Fran McCaffrey hate. Is he a great tournament coach? Obviously not. Will he ever break through? I don't know. But the fact that Iowa is going to be a top twenty-five team three years or four years in a row, um, two at least two of those and maybe three of them have a legitimate Big Ten title contender team, despite losing arguably the best player in school history in two consecutive years. Like it's preposterous how good they've been. And again, with a lot of guys who are not overly rated recruits, right? Like they recruit mid plus kids. They do not, they don't, they don't hit top 100 very often. They're not like, like Luca Garza was a, like a fringe four star. Um, you know, camp was in, top 50. Yeah. Uh, and I think Patrick he was, was pretty local. high, but. He, he was local. Those, those were all Iowa kids, right? Like their team is always just like local Iowa kids and like Midwest mid plus kids like Peyton Sanford, Midwest mid plus uh, Aaron Eulis, Midwest mid plus Tony Perkins, Midwest mid plus. Right. Ever all these kids, like it's like beating a 10 schools. They beat like, they beat like the, the, the kids, the Missouri Valley thinks they're going to get a steal on. They just take them and develop them into all big 10 players. And again, at some, at some point, People will stop hating him because he's like an angry looking white dude and start to realize this is one of the best coaches in college basketball. And the whole tournament thing, I mean, he's not going to do it until he does. You know, could be this year. We wake up and he's in a Final Four. And then the narrative goes from he can't win in the tournament to he, well, he made a Final Four, but he, he'll, he'll never win a championship. Um, but yeah, I was in a great spot, uh, especially for, for this season, riding this. Chris Murray heater. Yeah, Big Ten looks uh, great. I mean, you mentioned we mentioned Indiana, we mentioned Iowa, Michigan State, Maryland had an unbelievable weekend. I don't know if you watched yes. either of those games, but I watched the the St. Louis game, which was just a rout. Their 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 starters fit together so well. 
We yes, have perfect. the two shooters with Carey and Young, and Young can create. You have the two the versatile multi-positional wings with Hart and Scott. Scott, Scott was on amazing. fire all weekend. Scott and then Reese good. as a athletic pick. Backup center is a bit of a concern, but, I mean, Jahari Long looks like a solid backup point guard. It, I mean, they, they dominated both games this weekend. Um, Against potential NCAA tournament team, Miami and St. Louis. Um, one point, one point, how about this? 1.34 points per possession against St. Louis, 1.29 against Miami. And in neither game did they like, shoot the cover off it. They were 13 for 32 and then 9 for 21. It's not like they made 23s. They out, like they shot 60% from two in both those games. They shot 70% from two against Miami. Like they they diced them up. Shout yeah. out to Kevin Willard. I'm uh, willing to give Rutgers a pass for their loss. They didn't have Mulcahy or McConnell. I mean, what are you going to do there? I mean, that's your should, best player should, and best defender. We should much. talk about Illinois. Um, yes, Illinois. Um, I mean, we're, we're I, 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 I love the Hawkins at the five. F- feels like he's just getting so many open looks. Uh, it works well he, where like Dane, Dane is perfect as like the microwave scoring big man. Like Dane can't play more than like 15 ish minutes a game. If the shots aren't going in, he needs to get out of the game ASAP because he's not, he's not all that good a rebounder. Um, he's not a, <laughs> he's not really mobile defensively, certainly. Like my God, like I can, the guy has a touch around the basket. He's like, he's not that fat, but he is like this the prototypical fat guy big man, where like Devante Gardner. Yeah, unbelievable, uh, unbelievable touch. He's like, he's not like Rashawn Holloway big, but like remember Rashawn Holloway, UMass. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, I, they're fun to watch. They're really like I, I said this during the UCLA game. They just kind of exist in chaos. Like watching them kind of like elevates your blood pressure a little bit. It's not. It's not necessarily always pretty. You're. You're gonna like. You're. You're constantly afraid that. You, that like they're gonna commit like a really stupid foul or like take a really stupid shot. Um, I thought that Virginia did a much better job than UCLA of kind of weathering the storm and then made it into a half court game down the stretch. It's once uh, part of it's hard. It's harder to press off of misses than makes. And so I thought that Virginia was able to get some really timely stops and that allowed them to forced this game into straight half court. And once that happened, I thought Illinois really struggled to generate offense. It just felt like, okay, like what's Terrence Shannon going to do? And I don't, I don't, I know Shannon shot it unbelievably well in that game against Baylor, but I don't think Terrence Shannon's like a 40 plus percent three guy. I just don't. I mean, he was eight for nine. Right. And I, I remember watching Arizona state crush Michigan and saying Desmond Cambridge is on a heater right now. Uh, And then the, the next day, Terrence Shannon goes eight for nine from three. And Armand Franklin had went on with this unbelievable heater in the game. Yeah. Which I know you were watching Michigan, but Michigan State. But Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like I thought I thought Illinois looked really good. I think I think Illinois is the best team in the Big Ten. They're a freshman look competent. Like Harris was out there holding his own. Epps can really score. Makes me cry whenever he scores. But um Rogers played a little bit. I mean Clark was was playing a solid floor game, so um, they're in a good spot. Again, I don't think that they're a top ten team per se, but they're 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 definitely like a top twenty caliber team with with what we've seen so far. They're very very talented. 
and like the again like giving giving flowers to coaches like the fact that they look as good as they do despite losing Kofi after what they were last year despite losing Io and having to completely remake their team and re reinvent who they are is really impressive especially considering the fact that like look at the pieces they're doing it with right like Jay Neps was what was he outside the top 50 I think so right yeah yeah he was like 70ish right you see like like to have four freshmen in the rotation two of whom are outside the top 50 and all of them are like contributing legit value to your team is unbelievable and like the exception of like sincere Harris being unable to make a free throw those dudes like all look impactful like Ty Rodgers is a great glue guy Epps looks really good. Like, Epps looks better than Sky Clark to me. But, I mean, it's, this is a fun team to watch. I think they're going to have to, again, just keep games in this, like, complete state of chaos at all times, which, again, is going to be um, blood pressure raising for their fans. But I, I think they're a lot of fun. And I think, I think, I think it's going to be a blast to see how they navigate some of these challenges. I'm excited – like they have Maryland on the road to open Big Ten play on a Friday night in December, the first Friday of December. That's gonna be a fun game. Texas on a neutral, that's gonna be a very fun game. Texas, who's number one in Ken Palm right now, by the way. So Texas is not in an MTE then? They're in no, just Jimmy V. Gotcha. Uh Texas Creighton is next week too. So. Yes. I think they just play like a bunch of neutral games and then are playing like they probably they probably made into an MT like three of their Y games, you know. Gotcha. Um, and then just the two other teams I wanted to mention in the Big Ten. Yes. Uh, Purdue and, and, and Marquette were were basically even. Uh, Purdue pulled away late behind Fletcher or um, uh, Braden Smith hit some huge shots down the stretch, and it looks like he's one of those guys who got the preseason hype and is delivering. Um, especially as a shot maker. And then Zach Eads is you know, such a monster inside. It was so uh, – the, the thing that impressed me the most about him was Marquette was bringing that double, and he was just zipping passes around the perimeter, uh, finding open shooters. And, Mar- and uh, Purdue really loaded this lineup with shooters around him. So uh, I, I'm not sure Purdue's a top 25 team, um, but they and Marquette were pretty even. Um, we'll see how this turns out. Purdue is in one of the one of the PK eighty five brackets, right? They are. So we'll see then. I mean, the, not not much better competition than the uh, PK eighty five brackets. Yeah, I give credit to um, I give credit to Shaka for how he navigated that game i think we joked about it on the podcast like what are they going to do like Oso is going to get 2002 minutes the fact that he played i think 35 minutes that game yeah. unbelievably impressive um they had a good game plan they forced purdue to make other guys beat them it's the first time we've seen someone do that and they did so good for them their bracket is the one with duke and gonzaga the slightly stronger or no, yeah the slightly stronger the two in my mind duke gonzaga florida Purdue, West Virginia, Xavier, Oregon State, Portland State. So, you know, hard to get out of there better than one and two. No, definitely. Um, they, have, they have West Virginia first, so they should win that one. And then 
But West Virginia's pretty good. We'll we'll see for certain on uh, on Thanksgiving. I will, I will right? be there. I'll be off to Portland. It might be, then like a Thanksgiving feast of Purdue versus West Virginia. So are 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 you deciding on going to that bracket? Are you going to bounce around? What's I'm going to bounce here? around. Me and Jeremy Wu will will coordinate our coverage for Sports Illustrated, but. I, for the most part, I'll just go to the games that I'm like appealed, like appeal to me. Yeah, like I'm not gonna go to Gonzaga versus Portland State. Sorry. No. Port- Portland State knocked off Oregon State. Yes. Um, well, they could they could play again. They're in the same bracket. They 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 will play again in the seven eight game. <laughs> It'll be a grudge match. My God. Um, let's see. Oh, and then the last big Big Ten team I wanted to mention was Michigan. Oh, they survived yeah. a scare against Eastern Michigan. They survived a scare against Ohio, where Ohio just pissed down their leg. Oh, my God. Ohio was so bad down the stretch. The the foul at the end was absolutely incredible. I was losing my mind because the, the broadcast didn't seem to, like they, – they, I, I don't know if they just didn't want to be negative, but it was like they didn't seem to, like, acknowledge the fact that that was, like, one of the worst fouls I've ever seen in my life. Well, I – I mean, maybe they thought it was a jump ball or... Well, I, I think the kid was trying to get a jump ball, but, like, let go as soon as you don't have it. Right. Like, if worst case, it's just going to overtime. Like, have some awareness. <laughs> and then the pass off the rim. Uh, and the guy, the guy missed the layup. Uh, and oh, my get, God. Yeah, the, well, well, did we ever see, like, if that was, like, what they meant to do? I don't think that was what they meant to do. Probably not. I it mean... Kind of surprising that teams don't use that backboard for a weird bounce more often, but um, instead they just fire it down court and it gets intercepted or deflected out of bounds and time expires. So unless you're loyal to Chicago, yeah, maybe maybe that's the uh, they need the soccer. Everyone needs the soccer goalie, Tom Welch, throwing the ball like over his head. Um, but yeah, how how worried are you for Michigan? Because right now they are not passing the eye test. They get blown out by Arizona State. Who was probably not a tournament team, although their talent level is pr- pretty solid. Level. Yeah. Um, and they escape against Ohio in Eastern Michigan, and they obviously blow out Pitt. Yeah, it's definitely one of those where like each individual result is somewhat explainable. I mean, Arizona State by 25 is not explainable, but like losing to Arizona State explainable. Struggling with. Um, Struggling with EMU, explainable. Struggling with Ohio, explainable. All three, sign of an issue. Uh, I, I just felt like when I watched like a few – I didn't watch any of the uh, Arizona State games, so my apologies there. But, like, I just felt like watching them against Ohio, there were so many possessions where it was the same thing as last year. It was like, all right, like, everyone – like, the spacing was slightly better because, like, you respected the shooters more because you weren't playing too bigs. It was like, okay, like, point guard's going to dribble and then, like, swing it and swing it. Swing it. Maybe like you're gonna like somebody's gonna like through cut, swing it. Hunter's posting up here, I'm here, I'm like one on one. And then like someone's like sagging off into the post to try to d- deter from that. Like there were just so many posts, like, what are we doing? Like, what's the direction here? And, and the, I, they are like, not think, even close to it as athletic as they were last year. Right. I think I think Llewellyn hasn't been good enough yet. That's that's the concern. It's like again, their point guard play doesn't look that great. Um I know. Juwan Howard was effusive in his praise of Doug McDaniel at Media Day. So far, eh, he looks like a freshman. And that's okay, but 
you know, if, if they're going to go where they want to go, that's a problem. If they're not going to get great point guard play, if Kobe Bufkin is going to be, you know, five points on or nine points, excuse me, on was he one for nine yesterday? The box scores are not lining up. But yes, but the Ken Palm, this is very strange because the Ken Palm box score, maybe it doesn't include over, oh no, because I'm looking at the Michigan State box score, right? the, the Arizona State box score. I, was I was like, I was like, I'm staring at this. I'm like, why does it say that Kobe Bufkin scored or scored nine points in the game log, but five points in the, uh, in, in his box score? And it's because I was looking at the wrong box score, but my apologies. Either way, like Bufkin just looks okay, right? Yeah. Llewellyn looks okay. Jed Howard's fine. Jed Howard's better than Caleb, Caleb Houston. But, like, they still don't look like they have, they have great guards. Dickinson's still who he is. He's not changed. I think they should be a little bit better than last year, but I think you're going to deal with a lot of the kind of un, un, instability that they had a year ago, unless things, unless something changes with how they operate their offense. And I, think, I just think maybe Juwan needs to be a little bit more hands-on. And they need to do a little bit more than just, like, space it out for round one. They've also struggled defensively. And they gave up 83 points to Eastern Michigan. They gave up 87 points to Arizona State. That's a problem. Because they're young and they're not that athletic. It doesn't get easier either. Uh, Virginia coming up, the ACC Big Ten, and then off to London to take on Kentucky. And then open a conference play with Road, Minnesota. Which we, we have not seen Minnesota with Jamison Battle, so we can't really truly comment on Minnesota. But they got demolished by DePaul without DePaul's best player. Um, so Jamison Battle better put his cape on. Who's DePaul's best player? Nick Ongenda. I don't know that I would say he's their best player. I mean, Gibson's been been r- really good so far, but yeah, very good. Hasn't played yet. A good distributor, very good. Yeah, DePaul had a rough weekend because not only was Angenda out, but also your and I was out. So that was their whole that, thing of like we're just like we have these exceedingly lanky bigs, just like goes away. Just block shots. Yeah, they didn't have either of them, so no lankiness. They they lost to Santa Clara, who has Podziemski is looking like a Absolute star in in the WCC. Yeah, shout out to Barry, Illinois. Um, and they lost a close one to Oklahoma State, who's also very shaky. But. Well, yeah, very shaky. It's funny if if you go on T rank and you just go by by conference rankings so far, it's the the Big Twelve and the Big Ten are, are in first and second respectively, and they're like razor thin margin. And then there's a huge gap. And it's the Big East third, SEC fourth, like razor-thin margin. And then another huge gap. And then it's a WCC. Um, and, and, and if you look at the individual teams, there's only like two top 100 teams, basically. B, uh, maybe BYU snuck in in the, in like the 80s or something. But it's Gonzaga's like second, and St. Mary's is now 10th. Yeah, St. Mary's is insane. But that you, 10th, is, that in, is, that, is that with preseason still baked in or now? Because I, did, I, I I believe the conference one is not with preseason, but the team one is. But I'm not 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 so I did the, sure. Well, I, I can, we can actually check it because I was actually just looking at numbers first. Because a separate thing, um, 
if you take preseason out for um for 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 T rank, St. Mary's is number three. But that's all buoyed on the 33-point win over North Texas when North Texas didn't have their two best players, right? Well, that's true, but they beat Vermont by 26, and they beat Hofstra by 28, and those were two very good basketball teams. The North Texas one's a big deal in that, but it's not the only deal. Um, they're very good. They're guarding like crazy right now. Um, but I actually I pulled a number that's pretty wild. It's coming in a column that you can read by the time this podcast is out over at Sports Illustrated. Um, take out the preseason uh, forecast. Nine out of 15 ACC teams are outside the top 75 in T-Rank. And eight of the 12 Pac-12 teams. Like, what a disaster. Yeah, because I mentioned the WCC is fifth. I, I believe, I, I don't have it pulled up right now, but I believe the Pac-12 was eighth and the ACC was ninth in conference so far. That's so Which bad. is crazy. Um, the the ACC, I think, will be fine in the sense that they're going to have probably five, maybe six teams at the top that I think will definitely make the tournament. Yes, the ACC at least has some good teams. It just has a glut of horrendous teams. I mean, like, getting worked by Tarleton. Pitt is awful again. Louisville is terrible. Uh, who else is terrible? Florida State. Florida State's a wreck. Clemson's a wreck. Clemson lost to that. Like, South Carolina's horrible. Like, I watched South Carolina for, like, 60 minutes of basketball this weekend. They are awful. They are so bad. And Clemson lost to them. How? With with P.J. Hall. P.J. Hall's bad. With P.J. Hall. They're so bad. And, like, Clemson could come in eighth. Someone's got to. I'm watching Syracuse here duke it out to the death with Richmond. They're going to come in like seventh. They're not any yes. good. You figure Virginia, North Carolina, and Duke, are. there's a good chance that they have three top ten teams there. Uh, Miami's pretty good. Miami's like a yeah, Miami's top a tournament 30-ish team. team. They're a tournament team. Definitely a tournament team. Um, and then Virginia Tech is kind of kind of weird, but they'll be fine in the ACC. Um, they, they, they shoot the crap out of it. They're not very athletic. Um, but... They'll probably make the tournament at this point, you'd say, unless they have a major collapse, which I guess they could be susceptible because they're not that athletic. Um, so that's five right there. And then Notre Dame has survived a few serious scares. Right. You're, need... you're, you're, among your good teams are Notre Dame, who, get, who, who, who can't seem to get by a bye game. And they needed a Dane Goodwin three with 10 seconds left to win their, their most recent bye game. And, and look, Virginia Tech is good. They're like a solid basketball team. Like, they just lost to Charleston. Let's not act like they're a world beater. And then NC State hasn't done anything stupid yet. Uh, and, and, that, and, and not doing anything stupid yet puts you in seventh place. No, not doing anything stupid yet is like a major accomplishment in the ACC right now. Right. Honestly, it's like it's stunning to me. And part of it's good scheduling. Like whoever did NC State's schedule deserves a lot of credit because they just – they haven't put themselves like like I don't understand why Syracuse is playing Colgate. I understand it's like a regional rivalry and it's a good and they 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 played a game played games before they played Buffalo. But like, what are you doing? Like, that's just, you're just asking for a Q3. Right, because people, especially with you know with, with the Providence people, like, well, 
Why do, Providence should play Brown and Bryan every year. Like, why? Because it's the right thing to do. Those are the local teams. Who care? <laughs> I mean, does anyone really care that they played that that, well, that they're going to play Columbia instead of Brown? Well, that they I, played I, Vermont last year instead of Bryant? No, my, they're, they're my, just interchangeable buy games. My vote is that it is good. It is good to play those games. But with the caveat that if no one, if, if everyone else is not going to play those games and you're just like walking yourself into a potential loss to Bryant, that's a problem, right? Like because the game means so much more to Colgate right. to beat if, Syracuse if, and Syracuse to beat Colgate. If everyone would play those games, it would be good for college basketball. But I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna like throw stones at like Providence for ducking Bryant if everyone else is allowed to duck games, right? Like, like I mean, look, this is a great schedule for NC State. Austin P, a drag. Campbell, not that good. Nearly lost that game. FIU, a drag. Elon, a drag. Somewhat, kind of nearly lost that game. So, we'll see. We'll see how Battle for Atlantis goes. NC State could like sneaky win two games at Battle for Atlantis. People like, oh wow, this team is pretty good. Um, they have who first? Dayton? No. Kansas first. So oh. probably not winning that one. But then, but then, right? They have the lo- if if they were to lose, they would have the loser of Dayton and Wisconsin. Correct. Not sure that they're winning that one either. But, we'll but then getting either Butler, BYU, or USC. I mean, Butler's pretty good. They just can't shoot it. Um, so they need Ali Ali back. He hasn't played yet this year. Butler, yeah. that, Butler's, I mean, Butler's that, like fringy tournament, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we could talk Providence if you want. I mean, they, they just look so horrendous. Um, their, their defense is horrendous. Jared Bynum looks horrendous. People will talk about his shooting percentages, but... That that does not matter. It's a defense. Um, Bynum has been in work defensively. Bryce Hopkins is not a good defender, which I was not ready for. Someone should have told me that. Um, just the, the whole thing's a mess. And I I would say and since for 5:30 last night that the season's over. People are telling me it's not over. Like yeah, Providence can still get their 10, 10 or 11 seed. In, in, in the tournament, uh, but they've squandered all momentum and they look like crap. You know, people say, no, 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 the defense wasn't that bad. They only gave up X amount of points. It's the offense that's bad. No, it, people get so hung up now on the analytics, right? Defense is should not be graded by analytics. It should be graded by process. If you're giving up a million open shots and they're missing them, your defense wasn't good. Right, defense. You got to watch and you got to break it down and see where where, where the errors are. Uh, and right, because if 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 you force the other team into a million difficult shots and they make them, your defense was good. If you leave them wide open and they miss, your defense was not good. Uh, and right now, Providence defense is, is is not good. And and, it, and if you take out the preseason priors on T rank, their defense is like 220 something. Um, and it's a complete disaster. And all all momentum is lost, and I am down in my hole again. Watching Jay Neps score at will for Illinois. Jay Neps looks tough. I'm not gonna lie. Um, is there is there anything else we need to mention on this podcast? I guess we can look ahead a little bit. 
Um, Maui's underway. I don't want to talk too too much about it. I don't know if you did. You get a chance to watch Creighton versus Texas Tech at all? I did. Um, Te- Texas Tech's pretty good. Um, Bacho looks good. In, uh, Pop Isaac's shooting the lights out. He has a great looking stroke. He can handle the ball too. Tyson was quiet, but H- Harmon put Texas Tech on his back and was trying to. You know, he, he was getting to the rim. He was finishing over Calf Brenner. Um, so he, he was very impressive. He's someone who I've always liked, despite his up-and-down play. Um, lefty, shifty point guard who can get to the rim and hit hit some jumpers. I, I'm perfectly confident in Texas Tech as a borderline top 25 team. Uh, Creighton just weathered the storm. They turned it over a ton in the beginning with the Texas Tech pressure. Uh, but Shireman, Shireman and uh, Nemhard, they, they're such good passers. And they were just whipping the ball around. They were getting great looks. And Kalkbrenner was just a monster on the interior. He alters everything. And so Creighton moves on with a commanding second half. Yes. I thought they were good. I thought I was, imp- I was impressed with Creighton. I thought they, like, weather- they, you, you said weather strong. I think just like, just kind of, they took some punches and, and weren't afraid to punch back. I thought that, like, especially with, like, young guys who don't get a ton of minutes, sometimes you just like, watch a few plays. And you're like, that's a guy. And I thought Fred King was like that. Like, Fred King had the play in the first half that I think Billis highlighted where he just, like, skied over everyone for a rebound, a high yeah. point of it, and got the end one. You're like, yeah, like, this this guy's good. <laughs> this guy's a good player. Yeah, give, give him a year or two, and he'll be yeah. man in the middle. He's, he's in a perfect developmental spot where he's good enough now to, like, play backup center minutes and not be, like, super, super raw. Um, but And he'll get, like, a considerable number of minutes. But there's no expectation he's going to, like, play this year. And he's probably like, comfortable in that role. Like, he committed to play this exact role. And, I mean, if, if we're already looking ahead, Creighton hopefully has the NIL power to keep a guy like Kalkbrenner around for another year, potentially. Uh, like, I mean, it depends on what his draft possibilities are. But I think right. – I also think it depends on, like, how this year goes, right? Like – if they if they accomplish everything that they're a Final Four team, like are you gonna like run it back? I don't know. I feel like maybe not. But and anyway, they have a, a a great a great nucleus here. They 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 fit really well together. Shireman is a perfect glue guy. Uh, he's skying for rebounds. He's making crazy passes. He's not knocking down threes. Uh, great shot fake and getting into the lane and just yes. creating all these open looks for guys. Um, so, I mean, that was like yeah, literally. He's not like a best player. People thought he'd be like a best player type. He's not. He's a good player. He, I mean, he was a perfect addition for that team. He's good, he's good for what they have, yes. I remember watching Creighton toward the end of the year after Nemhard went down. And Al- Alexander was like looking competent at the point. And I'm saying, if they could just add a wing shooter transfer, this team's going to be awesome next year. And the guy who I was looking at was Patrick Baldwin. Uh, it turns out Shireman is like such a better fit and pr- pr- probably would be much better than Patrick Baldwin was. Um, oh, um, and then before we look ahead, I just wanted to mention Texas. Uh, sorry, Texas A&M. Uh, what a wreck! It looks completely, de- you know, demoralized, de- disheveled. I mean, I. Well, they're, they're the same, this is the same thing like any like Buzz A&M team has been. It's just like, let's throw a bunch of athletes out there. Let's play run and jump and like see what happens. Right? Yeah, like, they have like no, 10 rotation players, no stars. There's no structure like, to anything they do. I, I was watching them against Murray State, and 
Obasaki, who I guess is how, how you pronounce his name. That's horrendous, but either way. Uh, no, because we would always say Obaseki. Oh, I know. Uh, on the broadcast, it's Obaseki, I guess. That's a, that's a wild, that's a wild name. Just put it on. Um, and he looked like their best player. He was getting the rim, he was making shots. And then I look at the box score for when they lost their second round game to Colorado, and he played like nine minutes. And I look at the starting lineup um, for the other day, and they they completely changed it. Again, it's it's like what what is this team? What are they doing? They're they're, they're a team of like fourth and fifth best players, um, and I, I I'm not sure that they are beyond saving this year. But I I had them I think 43rd in the preseason, like right outside the first four. They could still get there, um, but. For everyone who had them top twenty-five or higher, it's just no. They they, yeah. they should never have been there. The the, the, the thing for me, the thing for me with this with with A and M, like they could get it right quickly because your entire like you're entirely built around just like momentum and like getting like, like getting hot, right? Like did like once they kind of have their mojo, they're like very hard to beat. Just like what happened last like late last year, like they just get you get your mojo defensively. When you face like a confident team that's pressing you. Like the 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 feeling in that is super super like you just feel like you're on an island. And I just feel like eventually they'll have points like that and they'll be like, oh, this team's really hard to beat. But at the same time, like there's such a there's such like a like a high there's such, there's such like a limited ceiling to that. Like especially with the way that they're built, there is no there is no other way to win. Um, and like you said, like there's no like direction to the rotations. That's because like. It, it, it's like the it's like the coaches who who start people based on number of deflections. Like what a preposterous way of operating. What was was that a Paul Weir thing? I want to say it was a Paul Weir thing. That it feels or like a Tom Crean thing too. They it could be, but I think Paul Weir did it in New Mexico, where like randomly like they started starting like the walk on because he had the most deflections in practice. It's like Tom, Tom Crean was a huge start the walk on guy. Like what like what are we doing like. Play the best players. Like build a competent rotation on both ends of the floor. Don't just say, oh, this guy plays hard. This guy, this guy works, right? Like maybe if you're getting beat by 20 and you want to put the walk on in to like send a message, cool. Go for it. Give it a shot. Right? But like, like there are just dudes on the floor who should just not be on the floor for for Texas AM. Like they're, they have so many guys that they can choose from, and the additions right. they made were just like they added Julius Marvel, and we're just like, what? Like none of none of them, none of them, like none of them added anything <laughs> to the team. None of them like changed the dynamics of the team. No, we were like Julius Marvel should have been the starting center at Michigan State, but I guess now he'll come off the bench, or maybe he starts with Henry Coleman, or who knows? And then they add Dexter Dennis and Anderson Garcia, and it's like, aren't those guys? Isn't Dexter Dennis a better version of Anderson Garcia? And don't we need some shooting? Like, well, and again, the, the wildest thing is the fact that they figured out a rotation that worked. Like, like what they like, like if you're Buzz, right? Like, should you not have just like seen what happened down the stretch in the uh, the tournament run in the NIT, in the SEC and then the NIT and just say, okay, like we're gonna do that. Like we're gonna use the exact same players. We're gonna ride it up and down. And instead, it's like, no, no, like I'm just gonna like randomly like start slotting in these random transfers and give it a shot. Seems like a bad idea to me. Anyone else that we need to hit on? I don't think there's anyone we need to hit on. I mean, Colorado, that was a cool flash in the pan, but they're done again. Colorado has – this is this is actually one of my favorite stats of all time. Colorado has played six games. 
They've lost. They, they've lost three of them. Three of them. Are, all three of those losses are against mid majors. And somehow they've increased six spots in Ken Palm for the preseason. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of that's just like the Tennessee game was like a big boost. And the, they didn't like lose. They didn't get blown. And, and then they blew out AM. But it's like, it's unfathomable. You're like, <laughs> like what? I mean, I, I guess Boise and UMass could, could be top 100. They're I guess, not horrible but... teams. And those were both relatively close losses. Yeah, that was like holy shit. Are you kidding me? And I, I, I was surprised to see that the Big East was ahead of the SEC in conference rank. The, the, the Big East has been covering; they've been losing their opportunities. Yes. Um, but and then SEC hasn't really had many challenges. Uh, we'll see them play Thanksgiving week with, um, I think, Alabama's in PK eighty five. Yep, Alabama's PK85. Uh, Auburn is in a bad field with Northwestern, Liberty, and one other team that I'm not entirely remember. I want to say Bradley, but I don't know. That feels wrong. Let me check. Auburn. The last team in that field is Bradley. I was correct. Yes. Ole Miss is in that. No, they're in. Uh... Ole Miss is in ESPN events in Orlando with. Seton Hall, Stanford, Memphis, gotcha, et cetera. Um, Mississippi State's in the Fort Myers tip-off. Right now, playing Marquette. That's an interesting game. Yeah, so we'll learn more about the SEC this week, as 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 with every other conference. But absolutely, um, th- they have not had the opportunities really. Uh, Tennessee's faltered a couple times, and uh, only Kentucky's one. whiffed as well. But Tennessee's only faltered once, correct? For some reason, I thought they had a second loss, but no. You're right. Maybe they, maybe, maybe, maybe my brain's forgetting, but I'm pretty sure. No, just, just Colorado, yeah. Did you have any thoughts on Virginia before we moved on? I think we talked about Illinois, Virginia, but we didn't really talk about Virginia. Beekman looked a lot better. Um, they look, was, they look athletic. They look, yeah. they kind of looked the part out there. I've always been a big, big Shedrick guy. Um, Beekman looked athletic. Clark. Was making some aggressive plays as well, or early, uh, early yesterday. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, c- certainly based on uh, being in one of the toughest fields and coming out victorious, right? They, they're a top ten team. And again, like, I, don't, I don't know that the shooting's gonna stick, but I just thought they, I thought they were good enough. It's hard to argue going out and. Beating, they beat Illinois and Baylor, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, those are two top-tier teams. So, Despite the question marks about basically running it back and adding a sixth man, um, they, they look good. So. Well, I think that's everything we've got, folks. Feast week is upon us. It's a beautiful thing. Apparently the Maui game just started. If you're trying to figure out what time it is while we're listening, Maui, um, Ohio State versus San Diego State, where I'm again remembering I don't un- that I don't understand how uh, Adam Seco and uh, a rope are still in college at a uh, San Diego State. Feels like they've been there for like seven years. Adam Seco, the older brother of Arthur Kaluma. How about that? 
I think the thing with all these guys is like a guy who starts as a role player early in their career and never becomes anything more than a role player just feels like they're never they've never moved on. Like what are we doing here? Like, like right. why hasn't like Mr. Rope transferred to like I don't know like UC San Diego and put up some points? I mean, the, the guy to track for that's going to be Lance Ware because he said in the offseason, like, I don't understand why more people don't want to just be a role player at Kentucky. Uh, we'll it see. is a great quality of life. It is, but we'll see if you you go into Kingsley, you know, beats him in the rotation or something, and you have Aaron Bradshaw coming in next year. Yeah, Aaron Bradshaw. I was going to say, who's their center in the class? Well, if we'll Kingsley beats him in the rotation, though, Kingsley could go one and done. I mean, he is so raw, though. That, that would be such a big mistake. Um, especially as, as a big, you got to be more of a finished product. Um, right, but it's conceivable he could go on in that, at least. Yeah, I mean, he's super athletic. He's maybe the best shot blocker in the country. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look at a guy I, like, I, I, like I, you know, I Mo Bomber. It took him like five years to be a rotation player. I am in favor of the role player life. It seems like a beautiful existence. Yeah. I think you'd have a lot of fun being. What do you think life is like as a backup center in Kentucky, Brad? I think I think I think you'll live well. I mean, you play a ton of practice, and like I'm, well, I'm sure. I'm where not, is it? I, yeah. I'm not thinking about the basketball side of things. I'm just thinking like life. Oh well, yeah. You, you you have the Kentucky scholarship, right? They got the crazy dorm and they got the personal chefs and yeah, you're on and the team. Yeah, everyone wants yeah. to be a part of Kentucky basketball player. You got good. You're, everyone's gonna want to be your friend. Girls gonna want to like. Girls are gonna like you. You know, you have like quality, like the access, like on on campus is unbelievable. You have to travel everywhere. You have beautiful uh, like private. You fly on private jets everywhere to go to your games. Who cares? You play ten minutes versus thirty. Is it? Do you think Bryce Hopkins having more fun at Providence or uh, Kentucky? Probably Providence. Well, Bryce Hopkins is the best player at Providence, though. That's a big deal. Yeah. I don't think Lance Ware would be the best player anywhere. That's the problem. Because he needs some oh, skill. He can't just be somewhere. the athletic power forward anymore. Maybe somewhere, but not not in like the high major. Like, what if he transfers to Rutgers next year if they lose Omorie? I mean, like, I don't think he'd be the best player. Well, I guess he could be, but that would be more an indictment on Rutgers. My point is that you're not winning anything if Lance Ware is your best player. So. No, you're right. Anyway, I think that's a podcast, folks. Enjoy your Maui Invitational. Enjoy your battle for Atlantis. Enjoy your PK-85. We'll be back at some point next week once I'm no longer jet-lagged. I have a 6 a.m. flight home from Portland, so that might be fun. The real question, Brad, here's 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 actually a good, good thought to leave you with. I, I, I have a 6 a.m. morning flight Monday morning leaving Portland after four days of basketball and PK-85. I'm going to Creighton, or not Creighton, uh, Marquette versus Baylor on the 29th, the next day. But the same day as my flight, do I go to Pitt versus Northwestern in Evanston? It's a little, like, sicko move. Should I, should I do it? Um, I would say no, but it's got to be better <laughs> than the Fort Wayne game. I mean, the Fort Wayne game, I have an excuse. I literally just needed to get out of my house. Because these day basketball days, like, I'm working from home. I'm literally sitting on the couch, like, watching basketball and, like, writing. I was like, I've been sitting in, like, the same spot, like, doing the same thing all day long. 
where else am I gonna? What am I gonna do? I'm like, I'm like, I, like I, I could have like, t- I was like, I have a couple of friends who are gonna be at this game because they have to work it. It's like instead of instead of like trying to rally other friends to like do stuff, I was like, why don't I just go to this game, like say hello to some people, watch other games while I'm there. I need to like be on. I need to be focused because there's a lot going on. I can't just like go out to a bar and like ignore life. So I'm just gonna do this and get out of the house. That's what I did. It worked well. It's nice. Only issue is that the Northwestern media meal was very uh, unsatisfactory. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> what they give you? Was just like a salad. cheeseburger or something? Just salad. No, no, like, real, like, sustenance, you know? What was on the salad? Uh, that was just, like, it was, like, a, it was, like, a, it was, like, a, like, a Greek salad. Like, a big, like, tray you'd get from, like, a, like, a, like, a restaurant. I just like I don't know. Was, there was I think there was like little bits of like beef or something. It was like a mystery meat in there somewhere. I don't know what it was. It's kind of odd. Had an odd texture. I'm it was sorry. like a fine salad. I just like wanted like a me- I wanted a meal, so I just stopped on the way home and picked up some food. Yeah, I I I never eat at the stadiums. That's that's a boondoggle. <laughs> at at the well, it's, it's the amp. Yeah, the uh, amp. Bottle of water is like six dollars. That's about right. Yeah. Well, you know, this, is, this is the analysis you don't get anywhere else in this podcast, folks. But we will uh, hopefully let you enjoy your weekends. Hope enjoy your huge, enjoy your Thanksgivings. Hopefully, everyone gets to spend some time with family uh, and enjoy some some great college hoops and great sports. Uh, shout out to the U.S. Men's National Team in the World Cup. Shout out to NFL Thanksgiving football rivalry. College football is one of the best sports weeks ever. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. <laughs>